Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study every Sunday morning, and that's for the people who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, and for people all over the world who want to be in God's Word. They want to study. They want to learn what the Bible really teaches, but obviously because they live in other parts of this country or other parts of the world, they cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. So we're thankful to have the ability to be able to teach God's Word, to spread the news, the good news of Jesus Christ, of Christianity, of forgiveness and salvation through the gospel of Christ. We're thankful to be able to spread that news, to be able to teach the Bible to people who want to hear, who want to be in God's Word on such a widespread basis through the marvelous medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful you're there, and we're thankful that we're here, and that we have the means and the ability and the opportunity to help you in God's Word, to come to a better understanding, a fuller understanding of what God wants you to do with your life spiritually. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But help people in your life come into God's Word. Come to a better understanding of what the Bible really teaches. Help them grow in their faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Help them come closer to God, and maybe even help them get to heaven. Now, that'll be a great blessing for them, obviously, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So share with everybody you can. And tell everybody to go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, it's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for a podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smartphone or computer or whatever smart device they choose, they will automatically receive regularly our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily radio program Monday through Friday called Search the Scriptures, and a short Bible study, only usually only about 13 or 14 minutes, but every day, seven days a week, and we call that today's Bible class. All of that will automatically go to their smart device. So tell everybody you can. Churchofchrist.com, click on the podcast button, sign up for our podcasting. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Judges, and uh, we've come a long way in this particular part of uh, this particular Old Testament book already. And we're going through at this point kind of the early history of the Israelite nation. Now, remember, God began preparing the bloodline through which Israel would come into being, going all the way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And so we saw his, his lineage develop, um, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's 12 sons, and then while those, that family resided in Egypt, actually for hundreds and hundreds of years, then they grow into a nation, basically, population-wise. God sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt and to a land that he had promised, going all the way back to Abraham, to the descendants of Abraham, and that would be the nation of Israel. When we go through Joshua and Judges, 
Joshua, we read pretty much the conquest of that nation, driving out or destroying the idol-worshiping peoples that had resided in that nation. And then in Judges, we see that nation growing population-wise, becoming the actual nation of Israel. And we see them along the way struggling continually with the worship of idols. They continue to be influenced by peoples around them who do not believe in God necessarily, but they worship idols, statues, images, carvings, and so on. And so as we're going through Judges, we see that happening over and over again. And we see that the people of Israel, the Israelites, would try to blend a lot of times worship of God with worship of idols. And of course, that's not going to work. As we noted, going back to the very first of the original Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, God warned in detail and emphatically not to worship idols, not to have any images, and and so on. And so we keep seeing the Israelites struggling with that particular commandment and and struggling to keep their, their full integrity of believing in and worshiping God and following him because they keep mixing their worship of God and their dedication to God with their worship of idols, various idols. Well, we pick up with chapter 19, and and we see something that is startling here. It's an account that really is startling and ought to grab our attention. So beginning with verse 1, it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel. Now remember, basically, there was never a full king over all Israel until until Samuel anointed Saul as the first king by God's instruction. Now, that would be hundreds of years later. But so in those days when there was no king in Israel and there was a certain Levite staying in in the remote mountains of Ephraim, and that would be part of the nation of Israel, a part that had been given to the tribe of of Ephraim uh, as their inheritance, he took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. But his concubine played the harlot against him and went away from him to her father's house in Bethlehem in Judah and was there four whole months. Now, concubine, we we don't really use that term in our culture, in our country today, but basically... We're talking about kind of a second-level wife in the culture of that day, in that part of the world. Now, you say, what are you talking about? Well, the people of Israel, and, and I think it was probably common among the peoples in that part of the world at that time, they would marry wives, but then they would also have, and in many cases, they would marry multiple wives all at the same time. So they'd have more than one wife, maybe two, three, four. Kings would have a lot of wives a lot of times because that was kind of an identity of a kingly authority or kingly stature, more wives, a greater king. Difficult for us to really you know, understand that line of reasoning today. But Commonly, men would marry more than one wife all at the same time. They'd have two, three, four, maybe more wives. Remember, Solomon had basically between his wives and his 
concubines, he had a thousand wives. Well, a concubine was, it was basically a wife of a man, but not quite recognized as a fully recognized wife. Now, she belonged to him. She basically served as a wife, but did not really bear the title. Um, Sounds confusing, doesn't it? I understand. Well, so anyway, this Levite, he took a concubine. You might wonder, was he married? We're not told. But anyway, she played the harlot, verse 2 says. In other words, she left him and um, sounds like she probably took up with another man at one point or another not necessarily stayed with the other man all the time. But anyway, so she played the harlot against him, went away from him to her father's house in Bethlehem of Judah and was there four whole months. Then her husband rose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back. Now, when I say she played the harlot, I think we would automatically think of she probably took up with another man. Maybe she just left her her husband or, you know, maybe that's how we are to understand it. Anyway, so he goes to find her and he goes to speak kindly to her and bring her back, having his servant and a couple of donkeys with him. So she brought him into her father's house. And when her father, when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. Now his father-in-law, now notice his father-in-law, again, she's his, the Levite's concubine not quite in the full status of a wife. But you get the idea that she basically is kind of a second-level wife. And here the text refers to her father as this Levite's father-in-law. So the, the principle of a marriage relationship, at least to a degree, is in, in view here. So when the father of the, young, of, of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. And his father-in-law... The young woman's father detained him, and he stayed with him three days. So he ate and drank and lodged there. And so it sounds like there's a good union there between the Levite and, and uh, his concubine's father. And so they're spending some time together, enjoying, visiting. Then it came to pass on the fourth day that, he, that, that they arose early in the, in the morning, and he stood, he, he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to his son-in-law, refresh your heart with a morsel of bread and afterward go your way. So they sat down and the two of them ate and drank together. Then the young woman's father said to the man, please be content to stay all night and let your heart be merry. And when the man stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him to urged him. So he, he lodged there again. So the father-in-law kept extending the stay. Maybe, you know, maybe he just simply wanted to keep his daughter around for a while because they were going to go to a different area, not just a different part of the city, but to a different part of the country. So verse 8, then he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart, but the young woman's father said, please refresh your heart. So they delayed until afternoon and both of them ate. So it keeps getting extended. Father-in-law keeps, you know, say a little bit longer. And when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, 
his father-in-law, the young woman's father said to him, look, the day is now drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow, go your way early so that you may get home. However, the man was not willing to spend the night. So he arose and departed and came to opposite Jebus, and that is Jerusalem. With, with him were the two saddled donkeys, his concubine was also with him. So finally, the, the Levite, the son-in-law, said, no, 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 look, I've stayed long enough. I need to go. We need to get back home. <clears throat> so he goes. So he get part way to what would later become the city of Jerusalem. So, verse 11, they were near Jebus, and the day was far spent, and the servant said to his master, come, please let us turn aside into this city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. But his master said to him, we will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. So, here at this time, the Jebusites, they, the, the master said, no, no, this is not our people. We're not going to stay here. We're going to go on to Gibeah. So he said to his servant, come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed by and went their way. And the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. So now they're in their, their country. You know, they're in the nation of Israel. They turned aside there to go to the lodge in Gibeah, and when he went in, he sat down in the open square of the city, for no one would take them into his house to spend the night. <coughs> and again, we see something of the difference in the culture from what we're used to in our country today. Um, you did not have you know, motels all over, the, all over a town or village or city. You know, so it was, it was customary for people to take people in. Or maybe they would have an inn that would be, you know, somewhat akin to what we would think of as a motel or a hotel, but it would be different. Okay. So anyway, nobody's taking them in. Verse 16, just then an old man came in from his work in the field at evening, who, was, who also was, was from the mountains of Ephraim. He was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he raised his eyes, he saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, where are you going? And where do you come from? So he said to him, we are passing from Bethlehem in Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I, am, I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I am going to the house of the Lord, but there is no one who will take me into this house. No one's going to give him lodging. Although we have, we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself and your female servant and for the young man who is with your servant, there is no lack of anything. So he says, we, we don't need anybody to feed us, don't need anybody to feed our animals. We've got enough food for all. And the old man said, peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. So maybe the old man, who also was a native of Ephraim, but he lived apparently now in this, this part of the, of the country, 
maybe he knew something that, that indicated it would be dangerous for this man and his servant and his concubine to stay in the open square. So he brought him into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. And as they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men from the city, perverted men, perverted men. Huh, interesting term. Again, do we use that very often in our language today? But perverted men, in other words, evil men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him carnally. That's interesting. In other words, they wanted to have sexual relationships with the man, the Levite from Ephraim, that we may know him carnally. But the man, the master of the house, the old man in other words, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. So why the old man encouraged, insisted, that this Levite and his servant and his concubine not stay in the open square, it's coming to fruition here. Perverted men of the city, people who wanted to have sexual relations with this man, this stranger in their town, evil people, they're coming and they're insisting that the old man send him out. But the man says, no, don't commit this outrage. He's under my hospitality, basically. Verse 24, look, here is my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out now. Humble them and do with them as you please. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing. Here is another stark contrast of the culture of that day in that part of the world from what we're used to today. Don't do this vile thing to this man. Don't commit, you know, homosexual sexual acts upon him against his will. But here, take my my virgin daughter and his concubine and do whatever you want with them. (laughs) How in the world would that have been an, an action on the part of the old man who had given hospitality to this man and his concubine and his servant? He offers his own virgin daughter and this man's concubine to these evil men outside. It says, do whatever you want with them. But the men would not heed him. So the man took his concubine and brought her out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. Then the woman came as the day was drawing and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. When her master arose in the morning, he opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way. There was his concubine, fallen at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, get up and let let us be going. But there was no answer. So the man lifted her onto the donkey, and the man got up and went went, went to his place. Now, think about this. Again, it gives us an understanding 
of the lower estimation of women in the culture of that day in that part of the world. The man eventually, this Levite, gives his concubine. Now, he's traveled a considerable distance to go back to her father's house and bring her back home. He's her con- he's, she's his concubine. He's going to considerable trouble, spent a good t- deal of time doing this. But now, in order to save himself, he gives her to these evil men to sexually abuse all night. And then the next day, he sees her there. He doesn't take her to medical care, you know. We don't get any, any, any indication of that. He just says, get up, let's be going. But she's been abused all night. She's in bad shape physically and emotionally. So he, he picks her up, and he puts her on the, don- on, on the donkey, and the man got up and went to his place. When he entered his house, he took a knife, laid hold of his concubine, divided her into 12 pieces limb by limb. So in other words, she was dead. She was dead. She had been abused all night to the point of being, could we say, raped to death. And so when he gets back home to Ephraim, and this again is startling to us, not just what has already happened to her and what was done so that it could be done to her, but now she's dead and he is cutting her into 12 pieces, limb by limb. And he sent those portions of her physical body throughout all the territory of Israel. And so it was that all who saw it said, no such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt. Let me turn my page here. From the land of Egypt until this day, consider it. Consider it. Confer and speak up. Now, the man sent his dismembered concubine throughout all the 12 tribes of Israel. And when the people saw it, and obviously he, he, he must have sent a message with each part, and the people said, nothing like this has ever been done. Since the day we left Egypt till we came here to this land that God gave us, what do we do? What should we do? Now, what follows is very graphic as well. The people of Israel, the rest of the tribes, will make war on the tribe of Benjamin. We think about Benjamin. When we read about Benjamin from the New Testament perspective, and even through much of the Old Testament perspective, we see Benjamin as a small tribe, basically. I'm not sure it was always that way. What ultimately happens as all as the men of all the diff, all the other tribes of Israel come together to make war upon Benjamin because these men had been allowed to do such a despicable thing to this woman that they almost wipe out the tribe of Benjamin. They come very very close 
to simply exterminating the tribe of Benjamin in war. And then they stop just short. But we'll read about that next time. I'm thankful that we live in the Christian age. I'm very thankful. And people need to understand the grace of God offered to mankind is abundant through Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us to recognize evil for evil, evil for being evil, and to abstain from it and stand up against it, Father. Help us, guide us, strengthen us to never give in to it, to be an example of your righteousness always before others, and give us your victory over evil. And we pray this for your church as well, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.